nobody really told me what it would be like. And even when I was, the doctor was like, okay, time to push. I was like, I don't like, what am I pushing? Like, where? Welcome to Help We're 30 with Brisa and Sierra. And today we have our first and very special guest, Monique Karabak. She is joining us to share her story as a first time mom. And we're so happy to have her. Um, just a little bit about her. You may formally know, know her as at ATX Eats and Treats, but she most recently rebranded um, and is now at the Monique Story. Uh, she's a Dallas native, and she's living in Austin, Texas, a personal chef, creating custom meals and sharing the best of Austin. Um, but most importantly, she's a wife and a mom to a beautiful little girl named Nadia Fern. So welcome, Monique. Thank you for being Hello. here. So excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I love y'all's podcast, and I'm excited to be your first guest. Okay, so... For all our listeners, we're just going to talk a little bit about how we all know each other. Um, so we all went to the best university in the world, <laughs> St. Edwards University. St. Edwards University. Which I actually met Monique through Brisa. Okay. Yeah. And Monique and I met um, through an organization we were on called Social Justice and Service Outreach. And that's how we became friends. Yeah. Yeah. Best school ever. And I, yeah, I've stayed in touch with Brisa, but haven't seen Sierra in like a decade. So it's been, it's really cool to finally get to see you and chat with y'all today. Yeah, I know I follow sure. you on Instagram and I thought it was so cool that you started a originally like a food Instagram since yeah. you're a foodie. And then you just recently rebranded. You want to tell us a little bit more about like your journey and what you're up to now? So it's funny. I kind of, the reason I started my Instagram was my now husband. We were only dating for like a few months and he was really pushing me to start a food blog and an Instagram. And so he's the reason I started and it was just for fun. And now it's kind of turned into a business and um, I really love it. And I feel like the last few years I've been doing more than talking about food. So I kind of rebranded recently and talk a lot of things about motherhood. Um, I feel like that's probably the biggest subcategory of what I talk about. And um, yeah, I love it. And it's just really great connecting with my community. My online community has been like very supportive and very real to me. So it's just a cool little corner of the internet to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, I mean, I think you always are also so honest and raw with everyone that that's what really like everyone who follows you loves about you because you I think so. And I hope so much. We relate. Yeah. In so many different ways. Yeah. It's amazing. Which I love following your journey with your dog, Obi, right? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember reading your post, just crying. Cause I don't know yeah. if you guys know, but her dog had cancer in his leg or does he still have cancer? So I'm, I'm, we don't like do any of the testing anymore, but he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma and they gave him a three month, basically life expectancy. And so I started doing everything I could to 
just increase his quality of life. And he's still here two plus years later. So looking to have you Yeah, he really does. Yes. He seems to have become best friends with Nadia. Yes, they are <laughs> inseparable and it's almost annoying because they just love each other so much. And I'm like, okay, let's do something else. And they just want to play together all the time. Oh, <laughs> Built-in best friend. Yeah. Well, um, so do you want to start sharing, I guess, before having Nadia? Yeah. So, I mean, Joel and I always knew we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I think one major thing that we aren't told as women is that it can be really hard to conceive. We're always taught the minute you have sex or if you think about kissing, you're going to get pregnant. And it's just this awful narrative that we were taught from a young age. Um, So I have Hashimoto's and I've had it for 10 years. It's a thyroid disorder. And I just assumed it'd be a little bit harder, but I'm relatively healthy in every other way. So I was like, I think it's fine. Uh, Month after month, we were trying to conceive and nothing was happening and it was really heartbreaking, you know, getting these negative pregnancy tests. And it was, um, I think it was 14 months of trying Mm -hmm. and then finally got pregnant. Um, So I was technically, I guess, diagnosed with infertility Mm-hmm. which is something so many women can relate to and are not prepared for. It is such an like awful feeling to be told, Hey, you're infertile. Like your body is supposed to have this job to do and you're failing at it is what I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much pressure on me to, you know, fulfill this womanly duty. Um, I know it's like kind of, old school thinking but in my in my head it was like I had this this is what my body is made to do and it's not doing it um so my husband and I started doing getting like testing done to make sure everything was working well and like both of us had a few issues but right around the time we got our results is when I found out I was pregnant so it was wow crazy timing very just you know bizarre um and then being pregnant was it was such a blessing because I was so happy that I finally got what I wanted but it was debilitating like the first three months your first trimester you're just so nauseous your body's like doing crazy crazy things trying to nourish and create a little home for the fetus And so you're just, I was lucky that I didn't have anything super serious, but it was awful just being nauseous every day, like not being able to eat anything. Um, And then at the same time, my thyroid levels were all over the place and your thyroid levels are super crucial the first three months to keep the baby healthy. And my levels were awful and I was so scared that something was going to happen, but you know, everything was fine. I just, once I saw a specialist, a perinatal specialist, so that's somebody who does specialized kind of uh, treatment for before, during, and after pregnancy. So all that to say, everything was great. 
um, up until my third trimester when I got crazy bad uh, SPD pain. So basically your pubic bone is supposed to be, I mean, I know I, you can't see this on a podcast, but <laughs> it's supposed to be aligned and it was like super off um, alignment because the baby was putting all this pressure on my my bones and everything even though I had worked out all pregnancy I barely gained any weight I was super healthy my body was just like kind of like over it so I basically couldn't move for about seven weeks were you on bed rest or it was like modified bed rest because they wanted me to move as much as I could to stay healthy but it was so painful, like walking, getting out of bed, even like sitting sometimes, it was just so painful. Um, and I, it felt like never ending, like I'm never gonna get out of this pain, but obviously, you know, it was over once. So um, I guess I can go into the birth story a little bit, if that's okay. No, yeah, no definitely. Um, I was 36 weeks and four days when I uh, went into labor, which is considered preterm, which is not good. I was freaking out. I was in the living room with my husband and OB and we were getting ready um, for bed. We were watching a basketball game, I think. And I was on my um, big birthing ball. So it's those bouncy balls you might see at like the gym, like a yoga ball. And I was bouncing on it because that always brought relief um, to the pain I was having. And I my doctor reassured me that it wasn't my fault, that it's not like I bounced so hard that my water broke. But in the moment I was bouncing and my water broke and I was like, oh my gosh, I just like did this to myself. Um, and I was kind of in denial and I like called the doctor on call and was like, there's liquid gushing out of me. I don't know what's happening. And she's like, honey, your water broke. You need to go to the hospital. I was like, no, I think you're wrong. <laughs> So we're like packing everything up quickly, going to the hospital. Um, And this was February of 2021. So still very much in the pandemic, masks on, you know, COVID testing as soon as you get into triage. Um, Thank goodness, you know, we were negative. If I was positive, then my husband wouldn't have been able to be with me. Yeah. I can't even, that's a whole other story. Like women giving birth by themselves without their partner that's been happening. Couldn't imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we're in the hospital and I am trying to remain calm, but I'm like, this baby's coming. She's going to be preterm. I'm so worried, but we're just going to like take this minute by minute and hope that everything, you know, works out well. Um, so they had to induce me, which that is probably my biggest regret is letting the doctor on call who I had no relationship with, had no idea who she was, but she was on call and she's like who I had to deal with. She was just very pushy and was like, this is what we do. This is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And I felt so like out of control and had no, no one advocating for me. Cause Joel didn't know any better either. Right. I mean, love the man. He was so <laughs> supportive, but yeah. he was in the same exact boat as me. We we're, were like, we have to do whatever's best for the baby and for me and my health. Yeah. Um, but I think she just was really trying to like, get me like, have me give birth so she could move on to the next patient. Like it just felt like that kind of rush. Yeah. So 
I was induced and that brought on contractions way too fast and furious. And I was six centimeters dilated before I got my epidural. So absolutely in so much pain, just sobbing, crying. And then I got the epidural. And then, so from the moment I got to the hospital, which was around 10 PM, um, I, Nadia was born at 507. So that was almost too fast. Um, And I wonder if that I can't wonder too much because it's happened and I don't want to, you know, regret and think about things like, what if I did this or that? So Nadia came out really fast, really, you know, I think was too fast. Um, She was healthy when she came out, everything looked fine. And I was grateful that, you know, it was over with. Um, Pushing is a very strange sensation. I like, nobody really told me what it would be like and even when I was the doctor was like okay time to push I was like I don't like what am I pushing like (laughs) I can't feel my legs what am I doing like I didn't know it was so so strange um and so that's a whole other story I feel like there there could be a whole podcast on pushing (laughs) very very so okay I'm recovering. We're in the, like in our own room now and we're, I'm learning how to breastfeed and the doctors and nurses are checking on us. And so it's day two now. Nadia had been, Nadia was born Sunday morning at 5.07 AM. So this was Monday night um, at 6 PM. The nurses were taking her to do some more testing and I think they were giving her her first bath or something. And I was like, sweet, I can sleep for like 20 minutes. Woohoo. And they were like, we'll be back by 6.15. And it was 6.20, 6.25, 6.30. Cause they take the feeding schedule very seriously. So they're like never late. So they were running kind of late. And I was like, Joel, can you go find where like my baby is? Like what's taking so long? And that's when they come in and um, they tell me that she stopped breathing and that they were rushing her to the NICU and it's still very traumatic to talk about and think about um it was so out of control like my worst fear um and I was just sitting there sobbing and Joel was like being level-headed and listening to what the nurse was saying and then you know what the next steps were and so they were rushing her to the NICU and we were I was in a wheelchair like being wheeled behind her and like hooking her up to all of the machines and everything um so because of the pandemic we when I was discharged like I was discharged without her um typically they have a separate area for moms to spend the night in the NICU so that they can be close to their babies and they basically got rid of that entire section of the hospital because they can't have extra people around basically. Mm -hmm. So coming home without Nadia was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Just like you're leaving a part of your soul Mm -hmm. in the hospital and you, you have to come home without her. Like it's, the thing is so many 
like there's so many other people that make you. And so, so many other people also are feeling, you know, what I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. but I've never talked to anybody who, you know, experienced that. So I was just complete shock for me and my husband supported me the best I could, but it was like the hormones and emotions. And I was just like falling apart. It was, it was something out of like a scary movie. It didn't feel real. Um, so Nadia was there for six nights and every night, you know, they were like, if she does well today, we'll discharge her tomorrow. And so every night I thought she would be discharged and it'd be like overnight, she would have these episodes is what they call them. Um, she would stop breathing and they would have to stimulate her, which means like tickle her belly or like touch her kind of like, you know, not shake her, but like kind of, you know, do something to kind of jiggle her around a little to make like help her to wake back up. Um, So every time she had an episode, they would say, okay, she needs to stay another 24 hours for monitoring. They did like every kind of test under the sun you can think of to rule out anything serious, like um, some sort of disease or illness or virus or something. So the good part about all of that testing was that nothing was wrong with her. She wasn't sick. It was that she was just a preterm little tiny baby and she had it developed all the way. So that was the good news. And I was holding on to that good news because that's better than if something was really wrong and yeah. she'd have to stay longer. So after six very long days and nights, um, the doctors were finally like, okay, she's officially, you know, past 37 weeks, 37 weeks is the medical, um, full term, like time. Mm -hmm. So we got to bring her home. And it was, I just like, remember everything about that day. We, I mean, she was so tiny. I think she was maybe seven pounds when we got her home and so just this tiny little wrinkly baby that we didn't driving her home and then her and Obi got to meet for the first time and it was it was just the best thing so it took what feels like an eternity to have her home and safe and now here we are she's going to be 14 months next week Oh, so wow. really? <laughs> you can just see like how you light up when you talk about her it's yeah. just uh it's so tiny yeah. yeah no yeah that's amazing right yes I couldn't imagine how hard that had to be you know you just went through all this pain and time like pushing her pushing her out and then not being able to take her home with you yeah. I can uh, when you told me that I remember like I was just like oh that's just I can't imagine having to leave Mm-hmm. and no one talks about that yeah yeah that's the thing. like I had been following all these motherhood you know Instagrams and all sorts of blogs and stuff and maybe I don't know subconsciously I avoided like reading about NICU stays because that was my worst fear mm-hmm. um and then even when we were in the NICU like the the little stations next to us there were babies that were born at like 30 weeks, you know, and they're in there for like months. And I had to just be grateful that that was not my story. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just completely changed my perspective of 
you know, just really, truly be so grateful for every minute Mm -hmm. and for our health because like our health is everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But another silver lining of being in the NICU is that those NICU nurses are just absolute angels and they taught us so much. Like, this is how you properly change your diaper. These are the things you want to do. Like, I had all of this support with lactation consultants because breastfeeding was really hard because she was so small that she couldn't like latch properly, Mm. Um, you know, like kind of establishing my milk supply and making sure she was well fed. So like all of those things happened because we were in the NICU and had all these free, amazing resources Mm. to help me in that first week of like diving in. Cause it's, it's wild. You're like recovering from this major medical you know thing of I had a second degree tear so I had stitches and it was gnarly it was (laughs) unlike anything um so your body's recovering and your hormones and everything and then you're also like oh you have this tiny human you're responsible for keeping alive so it's all of that wrapped up and the NICU nurses were amazing and supporting me and like getting me through um that first week yeah that's amazing which like speaking of like resources and stuff were you the type of like mom that was reading all the baby books and everything or were you just like I'm not gonna read I don't want to know <laughs> I feel like that would be yes I was reading everything I was taking online classes awesome. breastfeeding was the most important thing to me so that is like what I knew the most about going into it and then but actually doing it like you can't practice right so like actually having her breastfeed you know the first time it was oh like these books make it sound easy and it's not easy they're like oh just plop them on and do this and that and if there's trouble there's these three things you can do it's like no this is a human she's not a robot like you have to do things according to her so Um, I did read as much as I could, but then it was almost like, that was pointless. Like nothing prepared me for, I mean, I, I, I guess I sound cynical. I guess it, I'm sure something stuck and like helped (laughs) me, but I feel like so much of it was, if everything was picture perfect, this is how you do it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my mom always said. She's like, there's nothing that can prepare you for actually yeah. like giving birth and like what to do with the baby once you have it. She's like, yeah. oh, say the truth. <laughs> you know? And what what's working for those people may not work for you, like what you said and for your child. So yeah. exactly. It's like your baby's not cookie cutter. It's a combination of you and your partner. So it's gonna they're gonna be their own person and do, you know, have their own preferences and things. So yeah. that's, that's good. I know yeah. <laughs> crazy and exciting. Um, as far as, I mean, you've mentioned having support from the nurses, obviously, but how about, I mean, just support outside of that. Once you're back with Nadia, you and Joel, you know, parenting, yeah. How yeah, being that? a working mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, because again, we were in the pandemic, I was super hyper aware of you know, people we were choosing to be around. So my mom stayed with me for about a week, but I like made her wear a mask the whole time in the house. Um, Same when I had like my sister's visit, they would drop off food and I'm like, you're not coming in. I'm only allowing like, 
you know, one or two people in the house, basically keeping our circle as small as possible. Um, Cause we, I don't, I wasn't vaccinated, but Joel had only had his first round, I think by then, because mm-hmm. it was early February. So that wasn't widely available yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had a lot of friends, you know, helping out uh, in ways that they could, but nobody could be hands-on helping because I kind of didn't want anyone in the house, you know, helping. Um, And then that kind of backfired because I was, that's when I realized I had postpartum anxiety and depression and it was very, very hard. Um, My therapist at the time was like, you know, this is so common in people and at least you're so aware of how you're feeling Mm -hmm. and we can navigate this together because you're, you're like naming what you're feeling. So that was helpful, but it wasn't making it like go away. (laughs) Um, And I had been on anti-anxiety meds before, but I had worked really hard to get off of them. So I was trying not to get on them again, but I realized like I need to be, the best I can be for my daughter. So mm-hmm. I reluctantly started on Zoloft again and that changed everything. I was finally able to sleep more. And I mean, I was literally not sleeping like just days and days sleeping 20, 30 minutes here and there. And that was it. Cause I was just so anxious and so worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and that on top of exclusively breastfeeding and nursing her, was just so overwhelming and you know my husband was doing every he had five weeks of paternity leave so he was so hands-on yeah which is so wild and amazing here in America like (laughs) unheard of (laughs) yes it is and so that was so crucial in keeping me as sane as possible and him just being you know so hands-on and wonderful um but I also feel like I didn't read a whole lot about postpartum anxiety and depression. There was things here and there and books that were like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, talk to a doctor. And it's like, really? That's the, that's it. That's my advice. Mm-hmm. So um, even with the Zoloft, it was still a lot of work to yeah. get to a better place and you know, take the pressure off myself and all my, ex- I think expectations was the biggest thing. It was, okay, nursing should look like this. Sleep should look like this. X, Y, Z should look like this. And that's just not how it was. It was just pure survival mode. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be okay with it being survival mode, but I was just putting my pressure on myself to kind of do all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, So the first three months, yeah, you're just trying to get through every day. And I look back at those photos that I've, you know, took during that time. And it's just so wild to see how far I've come in a year because it's so much fun now. Like this is the most fun I've ever had in my life. And it's so worth it. At the time, it felt like you, things will never change and you're never going to sleep again and you're never going to be happy again, and you're never going to, like, not have spit up on you, but then <laughs> a year later, it's, like, the best, the best, the best ever, um, so, yeah, then we got a sleep coach, 
that was also crucial around five months mm-hmm. and because Nadia just would not sleep like girlfriend wanted to party all night all day it's ready to rage yeah <laughs> all the time like oh so we had the most amazing sleep coach who I always recommend to like anybody who's struggling her name's Jillian and her company's called snooze baby co she it was just very gentle sleep coaching so there's a lot of people who like are like ah sleep training you must hate your baby you know because it sounds so intense um and it's not sleep training it's sleep coaching it's teaching she basically taught me and Joel the best ways to support Nadia in her sleep and then when she sleeps, we can sleep, right? So that was major. It was, you know, went from Nadia sleeping five hours max straight to her sleeping 12 hours straight. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> and like within, like overnight, you know, that switch happened. Wow. Oh. And, and now she sleeps. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, that's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now she sleeps, you know, 10 to 11 hours every night um, because of that you know, time we spent working with Jillian. So what that was also, awesome. sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, what made you reach out to the sleep coach? Um, I'm trying to think, I think I was looking up resources on Instagram because there's a lot of sleep coaches on Instagram. And I think she either came up because of a friend mentioning her name or I found her search like through search, something like that. Cause she was based in Austin um she moved but she does everything virtually anyways so yeah if you it really doesn't matter what part of the country you're in you can work with her um but she yeah I found her through Instagram though okay that's awesome I don't think I mean honestly until you mentioned I didn't know that there was such a thing as sleep like that would help you because I know people who have trouble with their baby sleeping and things like that but I had no idea that was something we could use yeah I mean she's so knowledgeable and she has kids of her own um so she totally gets it it's not you know it's always nice when it's somebody teaching because of their experience so mm-hmm. that's really she cool. was amazing and, and helpful um and then to kind of touch on the breastfeeding side of things which was another huge hurdle for me so I was having to use um something called a nipple shield because Nadia's little little mouth was so small and she just like could not latch could not you know properly get the milk out so I was having to use these little plastic things that were a lifesaver at the time because it was it allowed me to keep breastfeeding otherwise or I should say nursing because pumping your milk and feeding it in a bottle is still breastfeeding but I was able to like contact nurse with her which that was what was most important to me Mm -hmm. so because of those little plastic things I was able to continue my nursing journey otherwise I might not have been able to so that was crucial but it was just a lot of work and it took her even longer to eat so like every nursing session was like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. which is also a lot of energy for that tiny little human you know (laughs) doing an action for 45 minutes is burning calories and you don't want them to burn calories you want them to get nice and chunky um that was also hard to navigate and I was also doing triple feedings which was I'd nurse her I'd pump 
and then I bottle feed her what I just pumped. And then doing that, like, you know, six times a day. Um, I was doing that in the NICU as well. And so you just, you don't like, you're just a milk machine, you know, like you can't do anything else. You can eat and you can sleep and that's it. And I think that is not for everyone. And I want to also say, however you feed your baby is the best for you and your baby. Mm-hmm. I was just super passionate about it. And that's what mattered to me. And Joel was there to support me and that because it mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very grateful that I was able to produce milk because some people can't. So all that to say, that was my own pressure I put on myself and it was hard, but I feel so much stronger because of that and feel like I can do anything because I got through that really hard season of life. Um, and we're still nursing now. She's 14, almost 14 months and we're still nursing and we'll see how much longer we'll go. She just loves it. So I'm not going to tell her no, because I'm, I, I'm starting to be ready to, Mm -hmm. to, be done with nursing but she isn't so um and I have the luxury to work for myself so I can schedule around her yeah what she needs so um we'll see we'll see what how that you know how long we'll keep that going but I don't I don't want her to be like two years old and still nursing like (laughs) that's a big child that's taking it too far and some people do and that's good for them but that is not um <laughs> not, no. for you. Yeah. not for me yeah. that's not for everyone that's fair well I speaking think- of like fitting things around your schedule like how hard or maybe not hard has it been like balancing everything and like splitting it's hard abilities yeah you and your husband yeah I um I'm also just very controlling and I don't want to have childcare. I don't want to have any, I don't want a nanny and I don't want to drop her off anywhere. So that's part of it. It's like, I will only really allow my mom to watch her. And even then I'm still kind of like checking on them. Um, <laughs> but I mean, my husband does, he works full time and he does so much stuff around the house and on weekends he's hands-on. I mean, he's a, he's a present parent and you know, that's so important. It's not like, all right, you're the mom, you do everything and cook and clean and take care of the baby. It's like, no, we split everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very considerate of that. But when it comes to me and working, so when I cook for my clients, it's really a juggling act. So I'm trying to cook while Nadia is napping and trying to get everything done in that, you know, two hour nap um, time frame. And it doesn't always work. And so it's like, ah, oh, I still need like 15 minutes. Like, Joel, can you, you know, play with her? And then I'll grab her and then you can go back to work. And then I might need you again. So it's, he works from home, which is mm-hmm. huge. I don't think I could do, you know, a lot of what I do if he wasn't here. Mm-hmm. And he can always, you know, like step out of a meeting or something to help. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's, obvious but maybe it wasn't obvious to me like it's every pretty much every minute of the day you're just consumed by okay what are what does she need now like how are we what are we going to play with today all right we need to practice crawling we're gonna try these new foods um we need to think about 
what kind of toothpaste she needs for her first toothbrush, like all these, you know, it's just the, they, they call it the mental load of motherhood because it's like 10,000 things you're thinking about wow. that she needs and she will need. Um, so like those things are running through my head while I'm cooking for clients or, you know, trying to take a shower or do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So Joel's really hands-on. I mean, I'm just, I'm a controlling person. I like plan everything out. I'm like, all right, delegating this to that person, delegating this. Yeah. And he's along for the ride. So he's like, okay, sure. (laughs) Whatever you say. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so I got lucky there. Um, but yeah, he's, I think it's so, I don't know how single moms do it. Like you have to have a village, even with Joel, we have, you know, my mom and my sisters doing things to help as well. Um, So it really does take, it's such a cheesy line. Like it takes a village. No, like you need a village. You need a group of people to help. Um, But yeah, you kind of mentioned it earlier about like, now you're in the fun stage of being a parent. Like you want to talk more about that? Because I know I need to hear more of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm that was so she's just so active and you, her personality is so apparent. She's so, she's like, I thought I was weird. Like this child is weird and <laughs> I, I love it. I'm so here for it. She's just such a interesting, interesting little thing um you know she has her favorite books and her favorite toys and she likes to baby like she talks like she knows what she's saying but it's like um you know uh-huh okay and i'm just oh totally like i'm conversation she's just so much fun there's you know it's so much easier to go places with her now like we can go to restaurants and she can you know eat what we're eating and um it's let it's like this in between of a stage of her being a baby and a toddler because she's not walking and talking yet but she's not like immobile you know so it's like it's just this perfect stage where she she can't yell for things that she wants because she doesn't know that yet so she's not like a wild toddler (laughs) but she takes two naps a day so we have more time to do things being out and about versus when she was a newborn it's like okay we have to rush home to get her in the crib to sleep so um yeah we just like play all day it's it's pretty ideal it's just fun you know um and learning her interests and you know things that she likes to do Mm -hmm. and I think it just gets more fun I have a nephew who's two like two years and two months so and he's so much fun too I mean he's a little more rambunctious because he can say what he wants and you know, <laughs> yeah you know, I can't wait for her to start talking talk and walk and run. I know I mean she's close to walking too she's not walking qu- quite yet but she I can tell she's close um so <laughs> it just gets I think some and I did have people tell me that like in the newborn stage like it gets better mm-hmm. it this is as hard as it gets and when you get through it you're gonna like know that it gets better yeah. and you just can't believe it at the time because it just feels like you're in a black hole and and now being on the other side I can, I'm like yeah it does get better they were totally <laughs> right they meant it they weren't just saying it 
I sleep like nine hours a night. Like, are you kidding? (laughs) Shopping with her. Like it's, it's so much fun. It's like what I was waiting for. It just took a long time to get here. (laughs) Yeah. But you're here. Yeah. And I also will say, I feel like I knew I wanted to be a mom early on. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's totally different than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it would just, you just see, you know, it's social media. You see all the like highlights, like look yeah. at these glamorous blue bonnet photos and look <laughs> at them at church together and look at them here and there. And it's like, no, that's not real life. <laughs> Most of the time it's, it's fun and beautiful and, you know, wonderful like that. But a lot of the time it's like just hard life stuff. Yeah. 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 Wow. So do you have any, um, any advice for new moms? Do you want to share any advice? Yeah. I feel like, you know, feel your feelings and get, put yourself first as much as you can. You know, I feel like I did try to put myself first, but it's sometimes, sometimes impossible when you're, you have this little tiny baby, Mm -hmm. um, it's just the moments of self-care that you can fit in are like super crucial to keeping you sane and keeping you healthy and keeping you, you know, like making sure you feel like you're still you, you're going to change so much. I mean, I'm not the same person I was before I had her and chemically your brain changes because you have these things going on in your hormones and your brain is like, okay, you know, protective mode over this tiny human yeah um you know I feel like it's the same things I was told like ask for help when you need help don't you know don't be afraid to ask for help and then if it is as hard for you as it was for me that it gets better and I also feel like some people just don't have a hard time and I'm happy for you if that is your case like I'm happy if you had a super easy birth and everything is hunky-dory like good enjoy it yeah you know um it might not be and that's okay too if it's hard yeah it's nice to hear that exactly yeah and I think from what you said before about there's so much we don't know when you're growing up you're not really taught all these things and I think it's a very new thing to be open about the hard parts of becoming a parent Mm -hmm. that people don't don't mention until and like I feel like that's barely breaking right now Mm -hmm. and so I love to hear stories like this as I mean I am I can't imagine how difficult it is but I love the realness of it because I can't imagine how someone maybe in the past would have felt so alone if they felt this Mm -hmm. and they couldn't say it because they're expected to be happy all the time that they have this baby, you know? And, and so I just, I, yeah, I'm so happy. Thank you for sharing your story. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks. I feel like I talked so much. um, I appreciate you listening. I mean, it's, it's also helpful to me to see like how far I've come and how like strong and resilient I am. And I think every mom out there is, you know, just as strong and resilient, whatever your story is, you know, like just becoming a mom is, is a huge feat. Yeah. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Every mom out there, you're amazing. 
Yeah, yes. seriously. Oh, and this is like perfect timing because Mother's Day is it around is. the corner too. Yeah, get your mom something nice. Call your mom. Send, send, some, flowers. send some flowers. Chocolate, chocolate covered strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> Just spoil them. them. Yes. Yeah, spoil those. Well, thank you, Monique, for joining us. It was such a pleasure to have you on our show. And tune in next Monday for episode seven help which coast is the best coast so east versus west (laughs) who do you have monique oh i'm a west coast sorry (laughs) (laughs) i love it well you'll find out which coast we love next week or in two weeks i guess i should say don't forget you can find us on spotify and apple music and make sure to follow us on instagram at help we're 30 and also follow our wonderful special guests Monique on the gram at the Monique story. That's M-O-N-I-Q-U-E story. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.